0: It's Wednesday, and we're going to start a program, and I'm welcoming all of you to the Prairie Doc Radio Program. Rick Holm, as you know, is right here. He's in the studio, ready to answer your questions of a medical nature. His specialty is internal medicine. He's a physician with the Avira Medical Group Brookings. He's a clinical professor at the University of South Dakota Sanford School of Medicine, and he's also affiliated with South Dakota State University as he conducts his For Me Medical Research. Yes,
1: that's, we're, we're actually started.
0: I know, I, I was at the clinic for a PT yesterday and I walked by your n- one of your sessions. You're I did. starting with your me research.
1: Yes, we had 92 people come through the clinic uh, uh, with uh, group therapy. We had about 12 average in each group, eight groups. And uh, you know, it's the beginning of the study. <coughs> and the assignment for the week was to record everything you ate on thursday friday and saturday and record the calories that are in the, that was in the food that you ate now i mean you there's two things one is that you've got to record everything that you ate i mean but the second part is to, to hunt for
0: Find how many calories. calories
1: are in the foods that you ate and then add it up each day and that gives you one weekend which is always different eating habits than what you do in the weekdays uh, so that's the major assignment. If anybody wants to try that, it would be of great value to you. Uh, you can, uh, you can. There's one thing I discovered as I was getting ready for this program. Uh, you can uh, uh, query your uh, smartphone. Uh, hey Siri, how many calories <laughs> in a? We can't answer that on your iPhone. but oh. You can find it in the health app. Okay, let's try it again. How many calories in a tablespoon of butter, Siri?
0: 80. We don't know. <laughs> Try again later.
1: 102 dietary calories. <laughs> and i got to change her. She's She's got an English accent, she's British accent. She's kind of accent. bossy, too. She's kind of a bossy thing. My
0: Siri doesn't talk to me very well, either. Yeah. I've tried. Have you tried, worked with Siri?
1: You know why they made it a female voice, don't you? So guys driving would be used to, Sorry.
0: turn here! Sure. Slow down! <laughs> Good job. Well, while you Sit. talk to Siri, we're going to take a I'm going to ask break. Siri right, how many ahead.
1: how many calories in a in a piece of pecan pie. Waiting. Ask her how many Waiting. nights I have to sleep on the couch Checking. now.
0: Checking. I found this on the web for how many
1: calories in a piece of pecan pie. Well, and it tells me where to go. But uh, a lot of
0: people would like to. No, I'll let that go. <laughs> I'd like to tell you where to go. <laughs> Let that go. We are going to take a break now. We'll be back right after these words. Good morning. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Somehow we're going to get him off of Siri and onto medicine. What do you think? Of course. Yeah, we
1: can do that. What
0: Siri was doing was filling us in because you suggested it'd be a good idea for people to know how many calories they <coughs> intake. Maybe just three days Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Right.
1: Find a- out. And, and your smart, smartphone is one way of discovering how many calories are in anything, it's pretty quick. There are other ways of doing it. And, of course, you can buy books. You can go to the Internet. Uh, uh, but I think the first thing you'd, you have to do is to record an estimated how much, you know, one cup, two cups of, of uh, boiled cabbage. How many, you know, how many uh, does that, how, how big of a piece of uh, sirloin steak did you, you know, is that a three-ounce? Is it a six-ounce? Is it a 12-ounce? Um, you know how many? You know, just kind of document what it is that you eat for three days, and it's a very, uh, you know, people are going yeah, 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 but I'm telling you, do it you for three days, and it will teach you this massive amount of, of um, information. We looked at the calories that are in the food that we eat in the fast foods, and I was amazed. This, and I'll say this out loud, uh, one of the most caloric uh, food. Uh, restaurants in our town is Qdoba. I, that blew me away. And you wouldn't think it would, be, think it would be. And I thought. And one of the least caloric re, uh, uh, fast food uh, places in this town is Kentucky Fried Chicken. Come on,
0: Kentucky Fried Chicken. Just Seriously.
1: Go to the internet and search. Just that, look that at really it.
0: that really surprises me.
1: I mean, you can. Well, they if may you have go, more meat than. If you, if you Greece, go to crispy, crunchy chicken, it's 500 calories for a breast. But if you go. Um, the regular uh, regular recipe uh, or roasted recipe without the skin is 120
0: calories. Oh, that would be low calorie, yeah. But none of us think of without skin, Kentucky. If you're going to do Kentucky you can go there, there and they the can
1: make you it yeah. very good and go without the calories. If you yeah. do just the original recipe, it's not that. Uh, okay. caloric.
0: Well, it'd be interesting. When, when you mentioned this, I thought, oh my goodness, they already know how to make this a success. My thought was, I thought you were going to say you have to keep track of your calories for seven days, for a week. And I thought if you do that to them, you're going to have people falling by the wayside. Right, now. right away, you said <laughs> three days, <laughs> three days. and all. people can do three days. You tell them a week, and they're going to say, who is this man? Go away. Um, we don't how, a part of how this. How many
1: calories in a double butter burger with a uh, Culver's butter burger with, with uh, bacon? 1,852. No. No. 520. <laughs> how many ca- calories in a four-piece uh, chicken dinner? I don't know. From Culver's. 2,000.
0: Oh, wow. Plus. Well, we'll live and learn.
1: Well, I mean, if you look at the amount of calories a person should have in a day, a, a guy's calorie total should be in the realm of 2,000 to 2,500 if they're active, 2,500. And a woman's in the 1,800 to, to 2,000. Now, you know, you've lost a bunch of weight, and you've kept it off, Joan. What mm-hmm. is the question I have of you is uh, what have you done in your diet? Or did it, mm. was it dietary or was it uh, exercise it, it, or was it, it both? It
0: was a combination of both. If I do one or the other, it doesn't help. I really have to exercise and yeah. diet. But my diet now is not, it's it's a way of life. It isn't, you, if you look at it as a diet, you go off it. If you look at it as a way of life, then you don't want to go off your way of life. Yeah. You know, it's good no. to continue <laughs> living. And I just, uh, I know what I'm going to have for breakfast and I make sure that protein is involved. Mm-hmm. I used to get a headache about two in the, 11 in the morning, because I was miss, I think because I was missing protein. So I always make sure that I have some protein in the morning. What protein do, do you it. have in the morning? Well, I always add nuts to my cereal, and sometimes I have an egg. That's about it. Nuts is usually w- will cover me till noon. Noon varies. Whatever. Oftentimes it's leftovers because I can never finish a meal at night. So, got the leftovers at noon, and Good. I don't really eat after dinner. That was a big thing I discovered. If you eat. After dinner is done, after 6 or 7 or whenever you normally eat, you're going to put the calories on. Mm. So I, you know, I'll drink water in the evening or I love making decaf tea yeah. in the evening. That's good. So I don't, it just helps. Time. Sleepy time. Yeah, sleepy time tea helps. Yeah. Well, I think everybody's body is different and the way they go about it is different. But I'm very excited for your 4Me for research project. Right. Make I'm sure it will be very successful. More. That's
1: the 4M. And the E is eat correctly.
0: Eat correctly. Good. Well, talking about for me, we want uh, that's going to benefit many people in the study and many other people who will benefit from your study. But we have a woman who just wants to benefit today okay. by you answering a question. Sure. She called in just before the show began. And she's 65 years old. And she's wondering what could be causing the pain in her shoulder when she goes to put her arm in a sleeve and reaches back. You know how you reach back to Mm -hmm. put your arm in a sleeve? She has a really bad pain in the shoulder. What could be causing that?
1: Well, there could be rotator cuff dysfunction. And and, uh, I'm just saying that if you look at the movement of a rotator cuff, first thing you do, put your elbows by your side and you rotate your hands inward and then you rotate them outward with your elbows, you know, stationary. And you'll find that that's one movement of rotator cuff. If you put your thumbs upside down, straight forward in front of you, and then you raise that like you're dumping a cup, but your, hands, your elbows are straight and you're raising it all the way up like your cup is upside down and you can't get them up, that's another function of a rotator cuff. And then if you put your arms straight out, you know, like from your side, straight out, and then you bend at the elbow, so that it's like you're lifting, but but instead you bring them straight up. So you're an L, right? You've got an L. Both sides are an L. Right. Now you bend the L forward and backwards. That is the f- the the uh, third major. Uh, That's movement. That's a real rotator movement too. That's a you rotator feel like movement. It's all rotator, and you know the shoulders are probably the most mobile joint that we have. And we ask a lot of them uh, to be able to do all the things that a shoulder can do in all the directions. The more mobility, you know, the more uh, mobility you have on a joint, the less stable it is. The more gears and apparatus you have to have to make them work, and so that's why you run into trouble with your shoulders. If you look at your knees, it's it's a it's a single hinge. Of course, there's a, a fabulous design going on in there, um, where you have crossed. Uh, Pieces that keep the bottom from sliding forward or backwards, you know, the anterior and posterior cruciate ligaments. And that's magnificent. But still, it's a very stable joint. um, And we depend on the knees so much. Uh, Of course, we depend on all of our joints a lot and shoulders. But shoulders are the most movable and and probably the least stable. So in her
0: case, it may be something to do with the rotator cuff. What would you suggest she do?
1: Ask her doctor to examine her. Uh, and she can get another opinion uh, from, you know, an orthopedist. Uh, you've got to, if you have, if you're a surgeon, uh, if, surgeons in a rule, I love surgeons. We depend on them. They're fabulous people who can do wonderful things for us. But if you are rocking around with, uh, as a hammer, everything kind of looks like a nail. You know, you've, this is what I can do for things. And then you s- look for those, that very things that you can do something for. Uh, automatically, that's how they think. I mean, that's the way it is. All of us are that way. Um, uh, so if you go to a surgeon, they're c- often going to suggest surgery. If they don't suggest surgery, that gives that's a true uh, picture of a, of a good surgeon who won't always push you toward doing the things that he can do.
0: But it's natural for a surgeon. Y- y- you always think if you go to a surgeon, surgeons cut. That's what they do. That's what they know how to that, do.
1: That's right. Yeah,
0: but... Um if you go to your internist or your your or general your family practice, physician. family practice physician first, their goal is not just to medicate or to surgery, but to to look at the all-over picture, picture. And, and to and direct
1: I, you in the correct way.
0: That's what I think would benefit her, rather than right. go to a surgeon first. If she goes to a surgeon first, you might say, this surgery will really benefit you. And it very well may, but possibly you'd be better off seeing... Start, start, uh, start, with, start with your, with primary, your guy. primary guy. Find out. That's it might a, be something really simple that either a little med or a little, actually, like physical therapy can make a huge difference. So, there's a lot of things that can be done before there's time, surgery. There's
1: times you can do non surgical treatment that works as well. Um, but I have to say, probably listening today is a, a gentleman that I know who will remain unnamed who uh, injured his shoulder uh, while doing adult. Play things in the water, you know, that types of thing. I'm
0: glad you said in the water. Okay. <laughs> and then.
1: <laughs> and uh, enjoying himself and having a great time and the adventure of, of sailing, actually, to be honest with you. And um, so the long and the short of it is, uh, he came to me and I saw right away we're. We're gonna. There's an injury that's gonna require a surgeon to evaluate. And you he, just knew it right away. He said, "No, I'm too busy. I can't do it. I mean, it's this is summertime. I'm productive right now. In the middle of the winter, we'll put it off." Well, what scares me is that when it looks like it's one of those deals that's gonna need some repair, but it and it hurts so much that you don't use it, then the muscles that connect those ligaments and all those things are going unused, and then when you repair it you're connecting nothing. There's hardly anything left because it's all atrophied because if you're not using it, you lose it. If you don't use it, you lose it. So I was afraid we're, he was going to lose function of that shoulder uh, enough if we delayed it, and I pushed him to get to the surgeon. And he went to the surgeon, the surgeon said, well, and he did a rather minor repair. I mean, you know, it, it does. it wasn't minor to him, but it's – a minor repair, and I am sure he is going to be a very happy camper when this is done.
0: Well, that's good. So for this woman, if she's feeling that pain, at least have your primary care physician t- take a look, find out, and it Direct might be something really pain. simple, or yeah. it might be something where you really need to see a surgeon. On that note, we're gonna take our next break. We'll be back right after these words. Yeah. Welcome back to Prairie Deck Radio. Dr. Rick Holmes here, ready to answer your questions. We just talked about a woman who is feeling hot, problems with her shoulder, and we, we hope that she does get the help she needs. Uh, tomorrow night, people are going to be, I think, fascinated by your program on South Dakota Public Television. You'll be talking about rural health concerns, and in this discussion, you're going to have two guests, right? Susan Anderson, who's with the Department of Family Medicine in, uh, where is she?
1: At the, at the School of Medicine. Oh, School of Medicine, so she's, okay. She's uh, uh, part of the Family Medicine Group, If not the head, I think she's the head. And she's also in charge of what's called the Farm Program, where they're sending uh, uh, students out to, uh, you know, Pierre and uh, Gregory and, you know, these different, smaller towns for an experience in rural medicine to give them a feel for what that would be like. And those who are interested in that rural experience apply and compete and then get our, our chosen. And so Susan Anderson, who lives in Canastota, for example, and drives in to be at the School of Medicine is going to be there. <clears throat> Something has happened this week that struck me as a rural medicine issue. And it's just, it's, it, it, it's exciting me because, you know, what can we do to help our Native American brethren in this state? Uh, how to help them with their health because uh, health issues f- on the reservation um uh have uh has been a major problem and just recently i heard senator rounds say that uh they have 40 percent more money than they need to do the things that they're not doing and i'm not going to give them one more penny was his answer which i thought was right you don't give them more money you don't throw more money at it if it's dysfunctional uh, but whats it? is it is what is it that is causing the dysfunction and how can you fix it well, the answer is, it's a nation. That's a that's a that's a nation. Uh, the Indian nation is a basically an independent country, almost in a sense. Uh, the way they set up the treaties, and so you can't go in there and say, "Sorry, um, we're going to take it over." On the other hand, uh, if we're supplying the money, there are some things that you can do to. Um, uh, if, the, if, if you're the supply of the money, then the money can tell, tell uh, what it, where it's gonna go. So there's that thought. All that aside, okay, and maybe I'm misguided on my opinion here because I haven't been to the Indian Reservation. Uh, I just want to do something to help them because I know it's, they're in trouble. And so I am a white guy in Brookings talking uh, f- without a great deal of uh, expertise on this. But I do know that something's happened this week, and that is that that um, Avera, with all of its E ICU, E emergency room, E nursing home uh, visit, uh, ha- has has provided this this, um, this uh, telemedicine process to be uh, provided to the. Uh, Indian reservations in this state.
0: I think that's going to make a huge difference. I I, really th- that it I saw that in the paper, and I was wondering if you were going to Toledo, discuss it today. Because wow. to me, for we all know that Avira Medical, both Avira and Sanford have done phenomenal jobs with our state. The medical care we're getting in the state is phenomenal. But now when they reach out to rural areas and then to Native American populations with something like telemedicine, I think that's phenomenal.
1: It I has hope it to works. make a difference. Yes, it, it, you like it, it, it you has to help. You
0: can't say has to, because Maybe it won't, but it's it's a tough battle, and you do want people to get good medical care. I think this telemedicine that Avira is providing will be phenomenal.
1: you know the um, the Healing Words Foundation, which is the funding arm of on call with the uh, Prairie Doc television and Prairie Doc Radio, this very radio, and uh, uh, you know the Healing Words Foundation has wanted uh for years and years and years to try to figure out a way how can we help uh and and you know every time you turn to somebody or somewhere to try to uh get an answer in that direction how can we help uh people say oh boy is that a tough area that's a rough uh uh, there's uh, no easy answer there's not an easy answer particularly if you allow people autonomy I mean their country their nation right the Indian nation you know the reservations we have um, they should have the independence to to solve their own problem but sometimes uh, uh, you know we in a local area are are, are our own worst enemy and that might be what's happening there so that's enough said Uh, Bob I can see that you're coughing and sneezing and you know what time of the year this is Yes, I do. Probably influenza or allergy, maybe, huh? Probably not influenza. Darn, probably not. I was gonna use allergy. that as an excuse to get out of here for Kami. <laughs> <laughs> no, Most maybe. likely, you have been uh, s- stricken with uh, the, the epidemic of, of allergy that's occurring right now, which is the weed allergy.
0: He's had this for about three weeks. Does that well, sound?
1: That, that really speaks to it not being a virus. See, Joan, I'm not infectious.
0: Uh, we could I have hugged him. When I came in, I said, you're the one who, you know, we have, have to blame you. No! No, well, no. no. Ed is here, though, so <laughs> like, oh, i got to be oh, kind of careful.
1: Shoot, oh, shush. Oh. Shush, shush. No, shush, Ed would hear.
0: I just knew that he was spreading germs, and he said, no, no, I'm not allergic. I'm no, not allergic. No, I think it's allergic. I think it's really
1: allergic. And if, they're, if, they're, if you wanted my best zap, my best aggressive treatment aside from uh, – flu, or uh, from um, allergy shots and allergy testing. The best options you can do are both, uh, are all three over the counter, okay? So I've been talking about Allegra in the morning, Zyrtec at night, and nasal court twice a day. Um, I've stopped, uh, I'm an allergic guy, and I've just, we've left the windows closed because uh, this is the time of the year when all of the pollens are going they're just coming in the windows, they're just everywhere. Why would you expose yourself at night? And I hate not having windows open at night because I love the nighttime cool air and all that. But the truth is, uh, we just what we've done is I've left the fan blowing on the air conditioning, but you don't hear the the air conditioning's not running because it doesn't need to be running. But the fan's blowing so you can have this quiet no noise and it's um instead of a closed window if you have the window open and the fan and, and the fans off you can hear the outside ambient noise and it's very lo- uh, you know comforting but um so that's number one close your windows number two uh allegra in the morning number three add a zyrtec at nighttime to the allegra in the morning uh, number four uh, nasal court nasal spray. Now, I mean, there's over there's generic versions of the Allegra and the Zyrtec, not the nasal court really at this point. But
0: yet. you don't think taking both Allegra and Zyrtec are over
1: overdoing, overdoing it? it? No. no.
0: Are either one of them causing drowsiness?
1: The Zyrtec is the most drowsy, so you take that at bedtime. Don't take it
0: in the morning. Okay.
1: And the Zyrtec is 10 milligrams. The Allegra is 180 milligrams. And you can find the generic versions of those right next to the Zyrtec and the Allegra on the shelves.
0: They always show the generic immediately next. I think most people know that when they go to the pharmacy. Bob, why don't you do us a favor and try that out for a week? What do you think? Uh,
1: then I can't go home early, though. So I need <laughs> you guys to back me up here. Yeah. Well,
0: well, he's sick. You can be <laughs> sick, sick with allergies. You're sick with allergies. Yeah, you're sick with allergies. So you can still go
1: home. But somebody. unless you're contagious here, people don't care. It's like if they can get sick, then, oh, yeah, get the heck out of here. So, yeah. Oh, Let me oh, we, I We've see. got two okay. minutes, and I want to tell you this. There, uh, A friend of mine's wife has a terrible cough, and it's been lasting for uh, six or eight weeks and he, or three months or something, and he's ready to go to the Mayo Clinic, and he's been to the doctor and the doctor and the doctor and not satisfied. And it's interesting. I was just at a medical meeting, and we are talking about the causes of cough. The three biggest causes of cough are, number one, nasal drainage from, uh, what do you think, allergies. Allergies. Number two, asthma. And number three, reflux esophagitis. So <clears throat> sometimes people have heartburn at night and they don't know it comes up and burns their throat and their lungs. Some people, and that's heartburn, reflux. They don't know it's occurring at night. You don't have no symptoms. You go to the, you go to the ears, nose, and throat person, they'll see burned vocal cords. Uh, some people have low uh, asthma, low-grade asthma that just, that they have a little wheeze if you really push them. It's allergy times of the year. There's bronchospasm going on. And the third is that, that chronic nasal drainage or mucus being made. So we've got a minute left. we got to quit. But th- I wanted to say that to you. And if you want to go to the Mayo Clinic, they'll go, uh, they'll work you up for those three things. Actually, no. I would prefer just to be seen by you here on the air Yeah, because you you're, <laughs> you're the prairie doc. Yeah.
0: He is the prairie doc, and he knows. Say, I missed one question that came in. Maybe I yes. can answer it quickly. Does Medicare Part D pay for the shingles shot? If you don't know, how do they find out?
1: Yeah, You call. I think for the most part, you call uh, either the clinic or you call your pharmacy. The and pharmacy say, knows what pays the it pays for it. Ask the
0: pharmacy. Yeah. Ask the pharmacy and just ask them, you want the shingle shot? Does Medicare Part D pay for it? Yeah. Okay, sorry we didn't get to that sooner. I hope you waited around for the answer to your question, which I wasn't I think complete. it
1: pays for some of it now, but yeah. it's changing.
0: It's changing. When we had I think I had it two oh, or three years year ago, ago, we had to pay for it ourselves.
1: We had to pay. I paid for mine. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this program. We hope you've enjoyed listening, and we'll listen again for Prairie Doc, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. As always, you can hear and see more from Dr. Holm online at prairiedoc.org. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Rick.
1: That's all till next week. Thank you, Joan. And tomorrow night, uh, rural health. And thank you, Bob, and stay healthy out there.